awaiting in the middle. Can Jancic put a decent ball in? It's a deep one. Up goes McKenna. Hit it back across. Gone to the net. Kevin McKenna with the equaliser for Hearts. It's one all. It's scenes of absolute joy in the away end. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Edinburgh's finest club, Heart of Midlothian. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. (laughs) I'm still feeling that return trip via Denver. That was longer. I I knew it was going to be long and I would do it all over again. But sheesh, that was... That was the things a trick. you do, the things you do for your team, eh? I wouldn't change it. Why is life should be about doing things that have not consequences but stories to tell? And just prior to coming on to speak to you this week, um, there was a Facebook message: Ian McLeod, Dougie Masterton. Three days following the Hearts, Edinburgh, Cologne, overnight in Cologne, train to Basel, train to Zurich, train to St. Gallen, matching overnight in St. Gallen, train to Zurich, train to Basel, train to Strasbourg, train to Paris, train to Charles de Gaulle, back home to Edinburgh, home in time for midnight. Magnificent trip with a bunch of lunatics. That's what it's about, as opposed to charter flight, Edinburgh to Zurich, watched the game, charter flight, Zurich to Edinburgh, got back home, didn't have a drink. You have to be... Posh English from the yeah. 1950s, yeah. apparently, to that's, do that. That's a, that's a Stockbridge stock accent. <laughs> um, no, I say it's a. It's, look, I, I, my my journey wasn't too dissimilar to, to others, and it might have been longer than others. But as as far as miles are concerned, but there were those that took. I mean, I, I met people. Thank you to everybody who who said such nice things about the podcast. By the way, and a couple of folk that were, I, I pr- probably preferred what they said. You talk some shite. I was like, of course I do. That's what it's about. Ah, you and Dunsire and McGowan. And then the next thing I'm like, oh, God, I'm sorry. Did I say something I shouldn't have said last night? I had a bit too much to drink. I was like, no, you were spot on. I do talk a lot of shite. But that was what it's about, putting faces to the names that you get messages from all the time. And it is just one big family. It really is following hearts. And, and I had an absolute blast. And if you can find one Hearts fan that didn't enjoy themselves there, forget the result, because I think we can turn them over at Tynecastle in front of a packed house on Thursday. I'll be surprised if you find any negativity about that trip from the Hearts fans. And and you and everyone else who, were, who weren't there and who will be going to the group stages, my God, you've got a lot to look forward to. Certainly do, and hopefully you guys listening have got a bit to look forward to on this week's show. It is a European week, so this is the first of two podcasts we'll have this week make some noise part two we'll be with you towards the end of the week around friday when we review hearts second leg against fc zurich but we will talk about the game itself and preview it later in this show and we are going to talk about european memories as well we've got some tweets from a few of you about some of your favorite memories watching hearts in europe that's both overseas and home games at Tynecastle, especially ahead of such a big game in Gorgie this week. And we will also review the weekend just past when Hearts travelled to Celtic Park as well. So plenty to cram on. Cram on? To cram in 
to this week's... Um, there's more of a cramond accent, yes, and charter flight <laughs> to Zurich. Tally-ho, chaps, let's get on with it. Mm, indeed. So, first up, Celtic against Heart and Midlothian on Sunday at three o'clock. It's a trip that fills most of us with dread at the best of times. Um, even more so when Heart and Midlothian make seven changes to their team, <laughs> including um, taking out the captain and first choice goalkeeper. So, Robbie Nielsen, I think I mentioned maybe one eye on the the European game and Robert Borthwick who was commentating with me said I think he's probably got both eyes on the, yes. the European game so a much changed Hearts team for this game against the champions who were unchanged from the side that won 5-0 away to Kilmarnock the week prior so Hearts started with Ross Stewart his first appearance of the season in goals Atkinson right back Cochrane left Civic and Rolls in the centre Captain Haring for the day, alongside Halliday in the sitting midfield role with Forrest and Gary McKay-Steven, alongside number 10 Liam Boyce in the attacking three with Josh Ginelli leading the line. So, I have to say, I generally have that horrible, ominous feeling before we play away to Celtic. That was um, heightened somewhat when I saw the team. Um, I expected we'd we were going to be on the end of a bit of a doing. Everybody did, from a heart's perspective. That was a result that wasn't a result. It, it, it was a result that it was 1-0 for as long as it was, and they got a goal right at the end to make it 2-0. Um, they weren't good. They, they, they scored early and they kind of downed tools. Um, I just think it was a really good timing of the game. Because the likelihood is, even with the first choice side, that we were going to be going there and we'd lose the game. Yes. History history tells you that. So if you're picking one fixture after a European trip, so you've travelled to the continent, give me Celtic at Celtic Park any day. Because we got what we expected to get zero. And that had been when we were fresh and fit and ready to go, we'd probably still have got zero. And <laughs> The likelihood is, weirdly, we probably would have lost by more. They did what they had to do. They knew they weren't really in any kind of trouble. Although in the second half, we we had well, a, we had a, we yeah. had a decent spell. Yeah, I mean, we'll go through the game. So, thirteenth I mean, minute, I guess this is probably what we expected—a a fairly goal lose, early goal it? from Celtic. Yeah, Dyson Maeda wriggles free of Alex Cochran, cuts across the box, and you know Kyogo Furuhashi from. Four or five yards, an easy finish. I think Rob. Yeah, but it's unmarked. Yeah, it's, it's a goal. I feel like we've seen it so many times. Oh, yeah, Rob was spot on. Us. Um, he is very good at that. To be fair, Furuhashi. I was just not Rob of getting things spot on. Although he is quite good at that too. But he's very good at just wriggling free of his marker, getting into dangerous positions, and he sometimes just looks like, "Why have you let him stand there and score a goal?" So poor defensively, and Cochrane will be disappointed that he allowed Maeda to get away from him. But again. A very good player. Um, first half hearts were quite deep. Um, Jota was getting the ball constantly. He was giving Atkinson a bit of a hard time. But I have to say, I thought Atkinson stood up quite well. I know he was beaten right. a few times, but this is a player who Celtic signed for more than £6 million from Benfica. Um, he's one of, if not the best player in the league. He's a very talented individual. We've seen by a couple of his screamers he scored this season. 
I thought Atkinson stuck at him. You know, he was beaten a few times, but the amount of opportunities Jota had to run at him, there was no way Atkinson was going to come out on top every time. Um, so whilst I'm not saying Atkinson was brilliant, I thought he stood up reasonably well, considering he's had a bit of stick this season and he's looked quite weak defensively. You know, you look at that compared to Ross County, you'd say it was almost night and day. Yeah. I think it's a great experience for everybody who played there. I thought Ross Stewart had a good game. Um, Atkinson was fine. Um, Civic, I know he got sent off, but the concern when you kind of realised it was going to be a four and Atkinson at right back and Civic at right centre back was always kind of <laughs> Furuhashi and Jota against them. Sheesh. Look, we thought it might be damage limitation and, and to an extent it wasn't that. We didn't get anything from it, but there were more positives from what happened at Celtic Park than I thought there would be. But it's a great experience for... I mean, Nia Atkinson's a young lad. And ahead of a, a cauldron atmosphere on Thursday, which some of the players won't have experienced before. They'll have experienced Tynecastle full, but this this atmosphere will be different. And playing in front of 60,000 at Celtic Park against the champions... Unless you get your arse felt and you get absolutely ripped a new one, and none of them did, because it can end up being the worst possible fixture because it just destroys morale and how do you pick them up from that? Don't need to pick them up from that. That'd be back and be part of Robbie's team talk. Hey, you went to Celtic. They needed a, a last minute goal, own goal, whatever it was, um, to to put that game to bed. If I'm Robbie Nielsen, I'm using that in our favour. And praising them to the hill. And it's funny now, I, I, just kind of sidestepping, but not on a tangent that so many people said, are you and your tangents? It's kind of. So I, I listened to the BBC Scotland um, Sports Sound podcast and Richard Gordon and uh, Tom English. So they were doing the game last Thursday and then it was the post-match comments. And they basically said that wasn't a good performance by Hearts. And then Robbie Nielsen came on and he said, I thought we were outstanding, this, that and the other. And the pair of them, I mean, I know it was radio, but you can just imagine their, their mouths are wide open going, I can't believe what we've just heard. Even Richard Gordon said, in all my years of doing this, I think that's the most different I've seen a game from the way the manager's seen a game. But they both agreed. The manager said that, not because he necessarily believed it, but it's only half time and a tie. So that was just done for the players. That was basically the, what he said to the players at full time. Might not believe so. Managers say what they have to say, not yep. what is honest. I mean, how many times do you get a media um, conference where a manager said probably totally the opposite of what he said to the players? So he was yeah. showering his players with praise. And that's what I think he'll be able to do to utilize that Celtic defeat, the positives from it, into part of his pregame team talk on Thursday. In terms of the game, uh, you know, there was a chance for Janelli, probably the only real chance in the first half. It was quite a nice break from Hearts. Um, Boyce and Gary McKay, Stephen involved. Janelli dragged it wide. Poor finish in the end, to be honest. Um, five minutes later, Matt O'Reilly had a chance. He acrobatically knocked wide. So at halftime, 1-0 Celtic. Um, in some ways, you could feel maybe lucky. It was only 1-0. would been very deep, but had restricted Celtic's clear chances quite a bit. Ross Stewart hadn't really had a proper save to make. Um, and Hart started the second half really well. So I was quite impressed. And um, we'll talk about the referee, and I think, at the end. Um, in terms of Robbie Nielsen, one of the things I thought he did make a good point about it in terms of the analysis was he said, first half, 
They defended well, but weren't getting close enough to the ball to play with their heads up. In the second half, they started to do that and they forced Celtic back and they forced errors from Celtic. thought he was spot on about that because suddenly Hearts, it wasn't, I didn't think it was a massive tactical switch. It wasn't a big formation switch or a change in our approach. Apart from, we 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 played the game much higher up the park and yep. we, we got in Celtic's faces more than we let them get in our faces. We stopped them from getting, because the first half... They were basically getting free reign to walk to to within thirty yards of our goal before they were getting engaged. Whereas second half, we started pressing them in the in their half and up in the middle of the park. Um, it, was very, it was very similar, wasn't it, to to Zurich and the way we started our starting position at the beginning and the first ten minutes of the game was where you would expect it to be. And then they got deeper and deeper. And then especially after Hearts opened the scoring, it was it was really deep. I think it's a lesson that you can use for this game coming up. The Celtic. Um, match at Celtic Park where the starting position at times is too deep and it was much better in the second half. So ultimately, look, it's 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 a learning curve for, for everyone. We've got new players coming in. Uh, I think five of the team that started at Celtic Park will start against Zurich um, and six other players will will come in. But you, you can analyse this all you want. Ultimately, it was a it was a it was a free hit for Hearts. It was a game they're likely to lose anyway. They, they they did, but the benefit is there were one or two positives, including the way that we we kind of started the second half. Yeah, I mean we started the second half well. We were better in the second half. I thought we rattled Celtic for a period. Robbie Nielsen talked about creating quite a few chances. I kind of disagree with him on that. One of the problems was Joe Hart wasn't really tested. Didn't think we really managed to carve open that big opportunity. Um, O'Reilly was denied by a good Stuart Block. Hatati then dragged it wide. Yakamakis had a header that was over. And onto the. So we'll talk about the refereeing as a whole because as, I do want to touch on this because I've been annoyed by some refereeing decisions and performances. And I think Celtic Park last season, we won 1 0. We spoke about this and we were very critical. Um, there was the stop in the game when I think it was actually Jota who pulled up and Hearts were on the attack. There was the offside goal. There's games, that game I felt like we were really done over by some poor decision-making by the officials. I didn't feel that about Sunday. I didn't. I know Robbie Nielsen was very critical at the end. Um, I just didn't, I didn't really feel like it was a game where we'd, Kevin Clancy was maybe a bit quick to show the cards. Like I thought showing Liam Boyce a yellow card in the 26th minute for just, you know, throwing the ball into the air. Seemed, I don't think he needed to do that. But I looked through the other decisions. Gary McKay-Stevens, yellow, no real complaints. He was stopping Juranovic when he was attacking the box. Sibic's first yellow, left his boot in, quite clear. Cochrane's first yellow, no real doubt about it. Stopped Juranovic breaking. Um, Shanklin's yellow I thought was harsh. I thought he didn't need to do that. He didn't seem to think it was a foul at first. So there was a couple where I thought he was a bit quick on the cards. But I don't think it affected the game. The, the one that actually annoyed me was in the 79th minute um, where Connor Smith nabs the ball from Aaron Moy and Hearts have a kind of two-on-two with Connor Smith also supporting and he blew blew the foul. That was the one that really annoyed me. It wasn't the actual two red cards. Um, And it's funny, when I look at the red cards, I think actually my view at the time, and I didn't have replays from commentary, I think I got them maybe slightly the wrong way around when I've looked at them again. So at the time, I thought Cochrane's looked a little harsh but you could see why he gave the second yellow, and I thought Civics looked clear because he's just a shove. And I've looked at him again, I actually think that's maybe reverse. I think Cochrane, you can see he can't 
can't really not give him a second yellow. Whereas I think Civics is maybe a little bit softer than it first looked. But is that a Robbie? You know, maybe. What, what's your view on? Them? I I didn't I didn't feel like it was a game where I thought the officiating was actually that bad. Maybe a bit quick on a couple of the cards from Kevin Clancy, but not any of the big calls. One of the issues that Robbie Nielsen had from this game centered around the following three areas of stats. Celtic fouls 11, Hearts fouls 12. Celtic yellow cards 0, Hearts yellow cards 7 or 8. Celtic red cards 0, Hearts red cards 2. Now, that doesn't tell all the story because you quite rightly individually went through each one and kind of said, okay, that was, that wasn't, or, or whatever. There's a good podcast I would advise a listen to, if you so desire, called Get Involved Referee. And it's a guy I used to work with, Lindsay Heron, who's a journalist. Steve Conroy, former grade one official. Um, and another lower kind of league referee, former referee. They didn't really talk much at all about Kevin Clancy. He didn't have any impact whatsoever on the game. They have absolutely gone through Willie Call on Saturday. Um, oh, yeah. No, no. That's, they, yeah, and that's, he was awful. So the, the whole bias towards self Oh, do you know that the first red card's been overturned? It had to be. It's never a red in a million years. I couldn't believe I was, you know, I wasn't arguing with Hibs fans over it. I was debating, but it's like, it's not a red. I mean, I, I, the second one you can see kind of why he has to give it. So well, the second one's a red all day long, but that's cost but, Rangers two points. But the first one is just never a red card. It's a blatant, cynical yellow card tackle, stop someone in flowing forward. So, but anyway, sorry, no, continue no, with the podcast, but yeah, I don't want to get caught up in you. No, <laughs> no, the, the, their point is either, well, Steve Conroy said he needs a rest. He needs to be, because he's had three Premier League games so far, Premiership games so far this season. Each one of them has had talking points, not in in a good light for the referee. So this whole bias towards Celtic and Rangers, um, as, as as far as well, I'm not going to give that because I can't annoy a home support. Had all the challenges that Hearts players made that they received yellow cards for been made by Celtic players at Celtic Park, would the Celtic players have received those yellows? I don't think they would have received all of them. I'm sure they would have received some of them. But let's not be too hypocritical about this. And, I was going to say, I felt the same in terms of Hearts playing some teams at Tynecastle 100%. Well. 100%. We, with a big full house, shouting down at a referee, putting pressure on a referee, we use it to our advantage. That's part and parcel. You want a strong referee. But the point I want to make about the this podcast, Get Involved Referee, and we're talking about the introduction of VAR, and they, they made a point about um, the, the Celtic Rangers game, sorry, the uh, the Hibs Rangers game, but also the Newcastle Man United game and, and Kieran Trippier, where the referee, who was an Australian, was um, it was suggested to him by VAR to go across and look again at the Kieran Trippier tackle, which was given red and then downgraded. What they were saying when VAR is eventually, and they made a right arse of that, you don't introduce something midway through a season. You, you do it from the start. And they're talking about it, having it in play, but not 100% in play, um, yeah, all singing, all dancing after the World Cup. It's a shit. It's so Scottish football. As well, far I mean, as look, the way, the way it's I mean, you know what's going to happen? Well, it's not necessarily this, but you can imagine. So, like, Rangers were pretty hard done by on Saturday. 
So yeah, they were. You imagine Celtic are at Easter Road in the in the top <laughs> six, and VAR VAR overturns the Celtic red card. So, yeah. so Celtic red card is they take uh-huh. Hibs player out, and mm. they hold on to win two one, and yep. and, and they, they win, win the, they win the league by one by or a point points. or goal difference. Yeah. And so, so, we, and and that's the issue. So, but their point was uh, on this podcast. And he never mentioned any name, Steve Conroy. And say what you like about Steve, Steve Conroy. I thought he was a fair referee. He didn't always be the best, but he wasn't one that you kind of go, God, it's Steve Conroy this week. What he said was he thinks there are certain referees or certain officials in Scotland that aren't strong enough when doing VAR to say to Willie Young, and eh, not Willie Young, God, for, imagine we had him back, that'd be great, to say to <laughs> Willie Collum, look, come and have a look at this. I think you've got it wrong. The intimation was... Uh, they would just keep quiet. That's not what it's about. We can't have that. VAR is ultimately VAR is 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 human interaction and human error or being correct. So I'm not looking forward to VAR coming into Scottish football because I don't believe we have the enough competence to to deal with it. As far as Kevin Clancy at Celtic Park is concerned, seven or eight yellow cards from from twelve fouls. Yeah, it's a bit on the high side when when Celtic had 11 fouls and didn't get one yellow card. But let's not get too hypocritical about this because we've benefited in the past from playing at Tyne Castle when the opposition have been reduced to 10 or have had a yellow card when maybe they wouldn't have done if they'd been playing at home. This wasn't a game where we're going to comment on the referee. This was a game that we lost, fine, we move on, and now it's all about Zurich. Yes, Celtic got the second goal. Didn't really mean anything by that point. 94th minute, hearts down to nine men. Game was over. Uh, whether it was Yakamakis or it was uh, Lewis Nielsen on goal, doesn't really matter. Um, uh, before we close on the Celtic game, just a few other points. I thought Kai Rolls thought was very solid again. That Andy Halliday had a very good game before he went off. Um, you know, tough atmosphere. He always gets a lot of stick there. Kind of second string Hearts team. I thought he was very combative, positive when he got the ball. Um, thought he had a decent influence in the middle and. The, the one they have to highlight because he's got a lot of stick and I think, you know, deservedly so at times because he's had some poor performances in the few games he's played. The goalie. Most of us would have groaned when we saw Ross Stewart starting away to Celtic. Um, not saying necessarily that he is definitely the answer for us to keep as second choice to Craig Gordon, but he was thrown in. And in this game, he had a very good performance. His handling was good. He was reliable. Maybe a couple of kicks out weren't the best, but on the whole... Good influence in the game and two big saves. Uh, a block from O'Reilly, which was just a strong block in the 58th minute, um, but then a really fine save in the 92nd minute from uh, Yakamakis. That was a strong lift. Craig Gordon esque in the way he got mm-hmm. down so yep. quickly. So it might only be one game, but I think credit where credit's due. Well, every Hearts fan, when they saw the team, <laughs> speaking to Stuart Lovell, who always likes a bet, didn't even notice that, that it was Ross Stewart instead of Craig Gordon. Happened to me, I've said that before, um, was it the St. Johnson game or the Motherwell game? You just you don't even look at the goalie when Hearts put the team out. You just look who else is in it. And then when Ross Stewart was named, and most Hearts fans, oh God, we've got this, we've got that, we've got him and goal and whatever, this could be four or five. It was one, which ended up being two right at the death. Um, and he did fine. He did fine. He, again, like the referee, he's not the talking point in this one. No, that's fine. So zero points for Hearts the weekend, but a few players rested. Um, keep them nice and fresh for the bigger game on Thursday.
Okay, before we get to the Thursday game for Hearts in Europe, we thought we'd have a wee um, look back at some of your favourite memories from Hearts oh. European games. And we've had... So we did start this originally a few months ago, so I do have an email in amongst all these messages to, to get <laughs> is this, to. Does this mean that the Strip World Cup yeah, might, get, ever, might get finished? <laughs> Maybe, you never know. Um, but we got an email... Um, this is a more recent one, first of all. So we'll, we'll go through. It's got some emails, got some tweets, and um, some European memory. So let's start off here. We've got an email from Alexander Scott, uh, who says, Firstly, love the podcast, even more so with a double dose every week. Appreciate your efforts to dedicate the time to provide some top-notch top entertainment between Hearts fixtures. Um, maybe a little late to the European feedback party, but I couldn't conduct my thoughts, feelings into one tweet. Um I've been fortunate fortunate to witness some great European nights in the early 2000s with us taking on the group stages at Murrayfield. However, even though it was a defeat, our home tie against Liverpool fuels me with excitement and anticipation for Thursday night. Why? Simple, the fans. The opening 20 minutes were just electric. I remember sitting in the Gorgie stand, Section V, and the stadium was shaking. I can't think of many games where it was that loud and intimidating. We all know that is that is what we need to bring from the stands in two days' time. The main point is that my mind does wander to um, if we qualify for the Europa group stages, it's time to make our mark as a big club in these glamour ties at Tynecastle. I'm not saying I expect us to win these games, but I expect us fans to help put Heart and Midlothian on the European football map again. Use this as a platform to sell the club to potential signings. You can go down to the Championship or League One in England and earn more money, sure, but let us show you what you can do to play in front of Hearts. Uh, what you can play in front of every week at Hearts. Apologies, Alex. That was perfectly written by you. Poorly read out by me. Um, side note, um, if Ryan decides to show up, can we ask him what it was like that night? How did it rank in the atmosphere to other games he's played in? All the best, Alex. So Ryan could... Good eye, mate. Good, good eye. Well, I'm <laughs> tough, you know? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, that was sounding more like Al Stewart, not a, a not Australian Al Stewart from Home and Away. <laughs> yeah. But that was, uh, thanks for the email, Alex. I really yeah, appreciate that, and it's a good point. I'm going to quickly play um, a clip from the start of the Liverpool home leg. What a grand night this is! Pleasant evening, beautiful city, and a fabulous old ground. Time Castle is full and rocking to its ancient foundations. I guess these Anglo-Scottish contests mean most of those whose careers have taken them either way across the border. Hearts line is led tonight by Englishman John Sutton, whose brother Chris a decade ago was part of the Celtic squad, which knocked Liverpool out of the UEFA Cup. And Liverpool give a first start of the season to Dundonian Charlie Adam, who was in Edinburgh only last week representing Scotland against Australia. So it's funny because you hear that it's um, the ITV coverage, um, which it did feel weird looking back at that. I was at the game, but I remember I re-watched it because it was such a, a big atmosphere at Tynecastle, and it felt weird. I know that ITV don't have Europa, Europa League nights now, but it felt odd when watching ITV with the Europa League logo and the intro and stuff, and then it comes and mm. it's Tynecastle, and it's the mainstream English um, commentary team talking about Tynecastle and Hearts. Um, and I, I get where Alex is going with this. This is a big opportunity, not for Hearts. This, no. If Hearts can get into into Europe um, past Christmas, it would be an amazing achievement. But it doesn't necessarily matter 
so much the individual results, but if Hearts can at least make an impact as well, it's quite a big club. What a, what a ground that is to go to, what an atmosphere. Um, that could be a big selling point. While you were talking there, I it's the only time I've ever commentated on Hearts for ESPN was the Hearts-Liverpool game. Okay. And I, I've, I've got my, my match notes in front of me. I keep every match note that I've done ever since I was at Hearts doing all those games. I've got them all. It's just nice to look back on it at times. And and you see the Liverpool side at uh, the time, Pepe Reina, Martin Kelly, Jamie Carragher, Dan Agar, Jack Robinson, Joe Allen, Lucas Leiva, Charlie Adams, Stuart Downing, Andy Carroll, Fabio Borini. Um, I'm not sure if that was the actual uh, starting 11 or if it was their team from the game before Hearts. Jamie McDonald, Callum Patterson, Andy Webster, Marius Zalukas, Danny Granger, Ryan McGowan, 23-year-old central midfielder on the right, product of the youth setup at Riccarton. Um, Just part of the notes. Darren Barr, what ever happened to Ryan McGowan? Mehdi Taul, Arvidas <laughs> Novikovas, John Sutton, Andrew Drywell, Peter Enkelman on the bench. I forgot about him. He was one of the... The backup goalkeepers, Dylan McGowan, 21-year-old centre-back, right-back, product of the youth setup at Rickerton. Coach John McGlynn, first European tie. Great noise. I was doing that game with Stevie Nicol, and that was the one thing. And, and the gentleman that emailed you there, talking about the atmosphere there in that game, and it really did come across on on the television because we have the opportunity through the panels that, that we have when, when we're doing commentary to boost um, the, the stadium noise, the person alongside you, his volume or whatever. I had that cranked right up and that just, that was a couple of years, two, three years after I'd left Scotland and it just, there was, I was glad I was doing it, but I was really jealous of those that were there. Well, for 75 minutes, it was like, I tell you what, it was still nil-nil up until Andy Webster's own goal and unlike the game against Spurs, which was just, it was done and dusted, wasn't it? The, the previous year, um, what was it, 3-0 at halftime or something like that? And at least there was still that kind of that noise, that anticipatory, we, we might we've got we might have something to take to the second leg here. And it, yeah. it was a brilliant night. It really was. Yeah, I thought both of those games, actually the Spurs one, I was at both, but the Spurs one certainly stands out in terms of the pre-game. Um I think there was maybe I think it was a terrific atmosphere for both. I just felt there was a slight the blind optimism, especially for me, was um much more in force at the Spurs game. <laughs> I think when we played Liverpool a year later, I was just fearing it might be a repeat of Spurs, but I do remember bizarrely, it was one of the most ridiculous comparisons I think back to now was like, look at the team and going, you know what? I think Jamie Hamill might do all right against that Gareth Bale. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, I've had some bad takes in my time. Oh, but wow. I genuinely remember talking about that in the pub. Anyway, um, the atmosphere was great though both games um cheesing on twitter who's uh, andrew bowie if you didn't know um messaged and he said just realize it's now 30 years since we played that epic home tie against cheating diving time wasting slavia prague oh, a brilliant well, game where we were heading out going through heading out going mm. through and heading out again until a late thunderbolt free kick from glenn snodden oh on the back of that hearts brought out an extremely low quality vhs video of the match from the club's single view in-house camera no yes. action replays archie mcpherson was hired to add commentary as he if was. it was if as if old weetabix head had actually attended the game and do you know why they did that and it's funny because in the WhatsApp group I've got with my pals, one of them's Ian Mercer. It was his dad Wallace that mm -hmm. said, "I'm not having TV tonight. 
I want as many inside Tynecastle. I don't care what the BBC wanted it. And he said, no, there'll be no TV coverage at all. Uh, there was obviously that one camera, which uh, one or two. I've still got the, vid the videotapes downstairs. The VHS is, is downstairs. But over 16,000 yep. turned up. And I think I've said it before, the, um, the Slavia fan fans were in the main stand, which meant behind the goal, which was the old away end on the Gorgi Road, was was Hearts fans on that terracing. And the, the, the shed was full. So we got there, not late, but probably after seven, and had to go around to to the the the, the, uh, the Gorgie Road end. So we were at the wrong end for Glenn Snowden's free kick, and at first we weren't sure. We, I think everybody behind that goal at the other end reacted to the Hearts fans at the other end's reaction because it was a absolute pinger of a free kick yeah it kind of it's so much power it comes out oh <laughs> yeah. i love this they hold the hits the stanchion and come if les mottram was a referee hearts would have been out of europe that year yeah well let's quickly listen to that goal from the hearts slavia prague second leg in september 92 an anxious moment both for the czechs and for hearts glimpse not playing in his first European game. I make it 79 minutes gone. Oh, it's a wonderful goal! There we have it. Michael Anderson said it was my first European memory in person. Oof. Glenn Snodden smashing in a peach mm. of a free kick. Hearts had lost the away leg 1-0. They were heading out on away goals. They were 3-2 up until Snodden struck that with 11 minutes to go. Something similar. Something similar on Thursday would go down a treat, wouldn't it? It would. It's funny. There was uh, there was a player called Ian Ferguson on the bench watching Glenn Snowden hit that free kick, but it was the other Ian Ferguson. It was the tall striker. I would love, and I'll never get the chance to do it um, for either ESPN or or whoever, to just use the phrase "a proper thunder bastard of a goal." Because <laughs> that's what that was. I can say it now, but I can't do it when I'm when I'm in my professional line of work. It was just a proper thump. And the noise, like, oh, by the way, it was a nervy last five minutes. It was. Um, but we got got the job done, and they had some decent players. They had a kid called Jan Sukaparek at the back. He went on to be a, a decent um, player. Pavel Kuka was a, a decent player. And I don't know if you remember this, they brought on a young lad called Patrick Berger, former Liverpool player. Uh, I, so I think had, I've I think I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. he was just 18 years old. Yeri Novak was on the bench as well. I would love to do... I was thinking about this um, the other day to see if it's something that we could maybe put together during our European run. By the way, there's a hell of a storm outside, so we can hear noises. And I wonder what that like, sound was. Yeah, I thought, it's not, I thought you just had a bit of a heavy lunch. <laughs> upset stomach. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a proper New England storm outside, so setting the scene for you when you wonder, what is he on a building site or what he is? I would love to maybe put together, it might be some homework for, for Hearts fans over the next few months while we're in Europe, is to put together a best 11 of opposition players that um, mm. that have played against Hearts in Europe. We might have to tweak it uh, and kind of not include Spurs or Liverpool or, or whatever, because a lot of the players would, would, would be from them. Uh, Gareth Bale and Luis Suarez, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fabio Barini. Um, no, we could just we could have a bit of fun with that uh, because even back in I remember I think it was Gary Mackay saying back in the uh, the mid eighties when we played Paris Saint Germain they had a wonderful player 
um, in the middle of the park who just ran them absolutely ragged. Uh, I think it was Safet Suzic. Um, but again, unless you've seen that, it doesn't really mean too much to you. But that could be something that we do, but Slavia was a brilliant night. You mentioned Thunder Bastard and you mentioned Ian Ferguson. Um, well, obviously, it takes us to a couple other messages. Uh, Robbie B said, March 1989, uh, flew to mm. Munich on the same place as our uh, on the same plane as our heroes. Night before the match, went to stadium and snuck in to watch the Jambos train in the rain. Lifetime memory. That's of course the second leg. Um, he was talking about Robbie, but Rod Morrison says Bayern Munich game Ferguson's goal, which is of course this stage of the match. Can they break through now? Here's Tosh McKinley with the free kick. Sideways to Ferguson. Brilliantly finished by Ferguson. Hearts take the lead. And here Ferguson savors the moment. So turn. So Ian Ferguson is one of the iconic Hearts goals. Before my time watching football, um, sadly, but just an amazing goal and just the very thought of Heart of Midlothian taking the lead <laughs> and then beating Bayern Munich, albeit it was only the first leg. It it, it just the mind boggles, doesn't it, when you think about that in the present day. That was the best post game atmosphere along the Gorgi Road ever that I've that I've ever experienced. I mean the only thing that, that was was kind of stopping you from um, from being on the shoulders of, of who you were alongside was were probably another three or four people because it was just, you were like sardines and packed. The noise continued from inside the ground, outside the ground afterwards. It's weird, Laurie, that there's little things in certain games that you remember and you don't know why that you remember them. The referee... Jesus, that's proper thunder. The referee, a guy called Helmut Kohl, Awarded the free kick for Hearts. <laughs> could you could you imagine the reaction from Hearts fans if they have a referee called Helmet these days? He's going to get a bit of stuff. Well, hey, it was a German chance. Probably did there. there used to be someone called Helmet Schoen, but that's something totally different as well. The referee, when he awarded the free kick, Hearts went to place the ball and it was moved. He moved it maybe about a yard to the right-hand side. Yeah, and I think yeah, yeah, and if you've seen it, if you've seen it again, you'll 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 know that, and that's probably the difference between the goal being scored and and maybe not being scored. I don't know if the wall. I'd have to watch it again. I don't know if the wall moves with the ball when it's moved a yard to the right hand side, closer to goal because it was on the left hand side. But just a proper proper night, um, and it's it'll go down in in, in history as as one of Hearts' best ever European results, and. It, it can't really be spoken about that tie with, yeah, it would have been Maradona at Tynecastle in the semi-final. <laughs> but just to say we've, we've beaten Bayern Munich, I mean, suppose it's like Dundee United fan. Dundee United have played Barcelona um, four times as far as twice they've been drawn against them and playing four legs. They've never lost. They've got the, the, the new Camp twice and haven't been beaten. So to beat Bayern Munich at home was, was brilliant. And it wasn't until we started doing this podcast and we were talking about this game that I found out that Peter McCloy was the backup goalkeeper on the bench because that he didn't he didn't have excuse me many subs on the bench. He didn't need a goalkeeper back then. No. And Peter McCloy at the age of forty three was on the bench um for both legs. I bet someone's called Willie Collum a helmet before. Helmet column. Um 
Anyway, so yeah, twenty six thousand plus at Tank Castle. Um, right. A memorable night for mm. those of a maroon persuasion. Uh, let's have a look at some other memories. New Jersey Jambo. I've never seen Hearts lose away in Europe. Europe, mind you, I've only been to three away games: Bordeaux, Basel, and Sparta Prague. We were underdogs in all three, though, so I'm happy with my two wins and a draw. Atmosphere at Bordeaux was by far the best. And that gets a few mentions here. Oh. Colin S says, Bordeaux is still my only Euro trip. What a game to pick. The atmosphere, the goal celebration and getting the win were all amazing. But the welcoming nature of the French people was the highlight. Everyone so friendly, honking their horns at us, swapping scarves. We went into a shop to get some snacks and the shopkeeper had these little Bordeaux strip slash badge um, car air fresheners. He asked us if we enjoyed ourselves and gave us all one each. He just said a souvenir, smiled and nodded. Such a small but beautiful gesture summed up the trip. Um, Bob Elric said Bordeaux away, a fantastic result with man of the match Craig Gordon. We stayed on for a couple of days after the game and we'll always remember lunch in Saint Emilion, um, which I think is somewhere nearby. Um, in the blazing sunshine, wine went down well. And Kier says, Bordeaux away was my first trip abroad. Absolutely fantastic experience. The walk to the ground from the Connemara pub, standing on seats during the game, Bedlam. And then when Mark Devery scores, then back to the pub to watch the game back. Great times. And Pants Chaton said, the atmosphere at Bordeaux was unreal. Incredible scenes in and around the stadium. Let's very quickly play a clip of the big moment over in Bordeaux. Paul Hartley plays it up for McKenna! Hearts of Scots! Mark De Vries gets the final touch after Kevin McKenna's header came back off the inside of the post. Just what the Hearts supporters wanted. So that was Mark De Vries scoring the goal in a game that, sadly, I wasn't there, but I was watching on the BBC. And, you know, it's arguably one of Hart's best European results, even if over the two legs they didn't progress. Mm-hmm. Still remember the the length of that, excuse the French, fucking tunnel. And that, I know the, the one in Belgrade is, is long, but this one is, is up there. It takes forever. I mean, it's... <laughs> Basically, for the players, right? It's like it's like a game of tag. You go all the way to the changing room, and then it's like, right, time to go back out for the second half. You haven't even got an opportunity because it takes that long to to get there. That was a weird trip. Um, that's the only one I think I did that I wasn't there. Um, but the usual the day before, I, I flew in the morning of the game. I went to bed on the Wednesday night. Didn't think I was going to go because that was around the time. We had a, a a good sponsorship director, a real fun guy called Mike Scott at Radio Forth. And for the vintage listeners among you, you'll remember Mike Scott on Radio Forth 194 doing breakfast all those years ago. So he ended up becoming the kind of sponsorship director. And he's like, he's got this really low voice. He goes, what the fuck do we need that game on the radio for? Because it's going to be on the TV. I was like, well, because I'm a radio commentator for people that can't watch the game because they're going to be in their cars or, or whatever. He's like, ah, well, if you... If it doesn't cost us anything, you can go. So there must have been a... Honestly, I did Vestmania, IBV, and Mallorca, and Bordeaux, eventually Braga Feyenoord. Every sponsorship was different. Sometimes it was locking VAR windows. Iceland was Iceland there. And I ended up doing his job for him because he couldn't give a toss of whether I got the trip or not. I just wanted to go and watch my team. 
couldn't get a sponsor for this one. I got a call, had a voicemail when I woke up um, early that morning at 6 o'clock saying, get your arse to Edinburgh Airport. Flight's at 8. If you want on it, you can get on it. And there was a, I think, I'm sure it was because Hearts did a day of game charter flight. And and I was on that one. Um, and I, I remember getting, it was just early afternoon, like late lunchtime. And you could see as you, we came from the airport towards the, the kind of city centre. It was a bit like being in St. Gallen last week when just Hearts fans had started to take over. And for all the talk about Bordeaux the night before, was unable to, to experience that. It sounded amazing. But that game was, was, and Hearts fans' noise that night was brilliant. Davy Allen said he broke his ankle in Mallorca and got operated on when the match took place, so didn't even oh. see it on the oh, telly. No. And he sent a wee picture of him um, in what looks like a hospital bed with <laughs> the, the London Hearts uh, big flag draped over him. That's a bit of an unfortunate one. Um, George Hobbs is Paris playing football under the Eiffel Tower at 2am. Police picking up heart scarves we'd thrown at the team and putting them on, getting told to F off. We are here for the Jambos by uh, two ladies from Drylaw when I asked if they were here shopping. Um, Top top Jambo also says playing Paris Saint-Germain at Tiny was my first European night. 2-2, you'd take that now. Great nights were Bayern at home, Slavia at home, um, Atletico Madrid at home, Mallorca away. All I remember uh, that night was standing in a sea of plastic pint cups. Um, A couple of memories. This is back to Liverpool again. So Sydney Devine says, taking my two young boys to Liverpool for the game, told the school they were attending a family occasion only to be photographed front front and centre, celebrating the goal to the the double page spread on the Daily Record. Craziest (laughs) celebration for Templeton's goal. And... Ryan Moffat says Liverpool away concert square all day was immense the celebration when Temp scored and the night out afterwards even though I couldn't get Friday off work and had to get a train back up the road about 5am what a trip well let's have, mm. let's have a listen back quickly to the dulcet tones of Derek Ray from Anfield plenty of tall targets in there Templeton to veer into position and Rayner couldn't hang on to the ball what a massive maroon moment at Anfield! David Templeton receives the acclaim of his teammates. A nightmare for Pepe Reina. And could it be we're heading for extra time? So a goalkeeping howler by Pepe Reina, but one that helped Hearts to the well, possibly the greatest limbs moment in recent history. For Hearts at Anfield, another cracking atmosphere away from home. And again, I mean, we're talking about Bayern being you know, ridiculous that Hearts were leading in a first leg after a first leg against Bayern. Hearts were minutes away, what, mm-hmm. 10 years ago from taking Liverpool to extra mm. time in the Europa League. Yeah. And we'll never know what would have happened after that. If Ryan McGowan had just not given the ball away. See, I was thinking that. I wasn't saying that. I think we've, we've well, kind he's of... not here. He can't defend himself. <laughs> Put the boot and everybody will listen with fuck's sake again in that um, Alf Stewart accent of his that he, that he has. <laughs> but Liverpool, again, watched that on a monitor while commentating on the tennis. Brilliant. Um, just, I'm looking back at the European time. My first one was Dukla Prague. And I, I'd love to see, I'd love to know, this might be one for Amaruso Let's It Run, um, to see if there's any footage from either of the games. Speaking of footage, 
on my way to, to St. Gallen, I watched the um, the lost final on BBC iPlayer with Pat Nevin. And they thought that they were never, ever going to be able to see the goals that Scotland under-18 scored against Czechoslovakia to win the under-18 mm-hmm. Euros back in 1982. And eventually, they were able to um, to get them. So I don't know where he gets all his content, Amaruso Lesser. It's just brilliant. It is magnificent. So that was the first European tie, um, the Hearts mm-hmm. Dukla Prague. First away trip was to the Kadrior Stadium in Tallinn, where Estonia was very different in 1998 than it was when we went back to face Infonet, it was it was more innocent. Um, it was it's a beautiful city, Tallinn, but it had been what was only six or seven years free from um, well, it got its independence basically from the Soviet Union. So it, stuff was cheap. Uh, people were just loving the fact that Hearts fans had travelled for that one. So that was great, and being on the pitch and recreating the. The kickoff moment for Scotland when they played Estonia, who didn't show up. Then this Louis Sitchar, the old Real Mallorca Stadium, um, the Lagersvoller in uh, in Vestmark, well, in, in Reykjavik, because that was another one we were drawn against IBV. Hearts fans were like, Jesus, how the hell are we getting to the Vestman Isles? Because that's where IBV play, but most of the teams play in the national stadium there that, that are on the outskirts. So it was in the national stadium there. Good few Hearts fans went to that. The Gottlieb Daimler Stadium, Stuttgart was a good night. They drunk a lot there. And then um, Zoljesnica, next one, the Olympic Stadium Kosovo in that one um, was was phenomenal. Stad Shaban Delman in Bordeaux, Braga, Feyenoord. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, I've got some of these. You're, 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 you're jumping, no, you're d- jumping. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just going through. There was a period that was, that was a period of all of those were within six years. Which, if we can, if we can capitalize on being in Europe and making money from it and reinvesting it properly and finishing third again, then hopefully, scarves around the funnel. Whoever's doing it in ten, twenty years' time from now, if we're still doing it or if we've passed the baton, on can look back and go, yeah, remember two thousand and twenty-two. It started off, we hadn't played Europe for six seasons. It started off in, in Switzerland and then it went to X, Y and Z and, and whatever. And we had all these ties in the space of, of six years. That's what we've got to hope for the next generation of Hearts fans coming through. Or the current younger generation who've got plenty of time to look forward to hopefully many more European trips to some fantastic places. Yeah, looking back, um, we've got some messages about Vienna. Wee Brun says it was absolutely freezing in the ground. Remember everyone getting beers in the ground only to find out it was alcohol free. And one of the bus <laughs> windows smashed as the home fans weren't happy with the perfectly onside goal. Uh, Sonny Rocker said seeing them firmly hearts marching around Vienna in 88 with an inflatable gorilla looking at the scoreboard in disbelief <laughs> later on. Do I remember anything else? Uh, lots of refreshments. And Steve Weddle says Mike Galloway's winner in Vienna was a standout freezing night, euphoric celebrations, and a proper proper chase back to the bus from a massively disgruntled <laughs> home support. Well, I'll just quickly hear a clip from that one. Bannon and Sanderson, hearts attack. We need to watch the Austrian defence watching for the offside as Bannon holds it up, angles it across, and they're onside. Kid, here it is for Hearts. Mike Galloway goes to the Hearts supporters. The trap has been broken. 
So this was November 88. This was the mm. second leg after a 0-0 draw at Tynecastle. So Hearts on a great European run to that quarterfinal against Bayern. Um, Jimmy Sanderson's beautiful Buffon bouncing around and um, Mike Galloway scoring after somehow um, Hearts weren't flagged offside. Isn't it funny but, how we look at things and we go, oh, but if only John Colquhoun... Colquhoun, honestly, I've only said that wrong for 30 years. If only John Colquhoun had scored... We wouldn't. Have, we shouldn't even have been there. We should, we should have been an extra time because if if the flag had gone up as it should have done for for Walter Kidd, then then who knows? But you know what? They were. And by the way, that run in in eighty eight, Mike Galloway scored in in four of the first five games. He 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 was just brilliant during that run. He really was. Rab D says Leipzig, incredible scenes. Oh. By uh, and, and and do you know what? I, I like actually. This was a good scoreline, so let's get all the goals from Hearts against Leipzig. Who could tear this defence to pieces? Good shot and a great goal! Jim Brown finds Busby. Well turned back to Ayr. Said moving forward. Gerber. Good one, two. This could be dangerous. And it is. Graham Shaw. Going the long way round. He's got Frischer with him. Well done. Brown. Busby. Beautiful! Willie Gibson on the far post gets that cross and makes it five goals to one for Heart of Athlodian. So this was 1976 after a 2-0 loss in Germany in the Cup Winners' Cup first round. An amazing second leg turnaround at Tyne Castle. Willie Gibson got a couple of them. Drew Busby on the score sheet as well. And what I like is you hear in that clip, 4-1 up, we want five, we want five. And just as that happens, Hearts go and get number five. So we've we've had our good experiences of five ones down the years, mm. and that's certainly one to go up there. One of the stats that will hopefully be altered um, this Thursday, <laughs> only twice have Hearts lost the first leg of a European tie away from home um, and gone through. Mm. And that would be Lokomotiv Leipzig in 76 and Slavia Prague in 1992. So hopefully there's a third one just around the corner. Let's hope. Um, you mentioned Braga. Stuart Moody also mentions Braga. It says it was his first trip, a great experience, better result. Um, let's hear those. A couple of goals from De Vries. Tight angle. Horby back. He didn't get to the ball. It's turned in by De Vries, and Hearts have that crucial away goal. A dreadful error in defence by Jorge, and De Vries cashes in. Dread. 
still looking, I'm sure, for the chance to come forward like this. Here's De Vries. Can he get a shooting chance? On. De Vries doing well. Very well indeed. Goal number two for Mark De Vries. But surely now the group stage is back in for Hearts. So a couple of big goals from Mark De Vries. The only time Hearts have qualified for a group stage previously. They will qualify for our group stage. We just have to wait and find out which one. Um... We've got Kenny saying Atletico Madrid was a great trip. Game was crap, but we had an amazing trip. Aqua Pam says finding a late night cafe in Madrid the night before the game after a day on the booze and ordering what we thought was three plates of chips only to be served three plates of giant cheese sticks by very bemused staff. (laughs) (laughs) Tron says I watched JR and JC, of course, Robbo and John Cahoon score against Atletico in 93. Tynecastle felt explosive. I truly believed we were potential Euro giants. Clearly, 14-year-old me was still to learn the proper ups and downs of being a jambo. Um, Why can't we all think, before we hear the goals, why can't we all think like we're 14 again and we all just have these dreams that I've got no semblance of reality attached to them, but Let's dream like a 14 year while we listen to these goals. Yes, indeed. It's the midway point in the second half. It's Gary Locke takes this free kick. In goes Fashioner! Robertson for Hearts! Right on cue! 20 minutes of the match left. And for once, Justin Fashioner found space in the box to test the goalkeeper. Lock, chipping in forward, there's no offside, this is Cahoon! And the second! It's a superb finish by John Cahoon! Good play by Kazetsky. Always oh, you lose the ball, right? Great running by Kazetsky! And that's the goal, Hearts were ready! It's outstanding play by Roman Kazetsky! So that was UEFA Cup first round 1993, a 2-1 win thanks to goals from Robbo and Cahoon. But, of course, Atletico won the return leg 3-0. Diane Skugel, we've got to remember this one, says, Sitting in a kebab shop in Basel at 2am, Smirnoff ice in one hand, Donner kebab in the other, (laughs) singing something about Dennis Wynas. And that was, of course, because the gaffer did this. Gute Flanke von Hemel. Achtung, die Schotten im Strafraum, die 2 zu 1 für das schottische Team der Hart. Der einzige Schuss, der aufs Tor gekommen ist in der zweiten Halbzeit, der zappelt im Netz, der Ball meine ich, der zappelt im Netz. Hier nochmal die Flanke, die Abwehraktion von Kleber unglücklich und dann aus vollem Lauf geschossen zwischen den Beinen von Zuberbühler durch. 2 zu 1. Was für eine eiskalte Dusche, was für ein Stimmungskiller, was für ein Weihnachtsgeschenk. Robbie Nielsen. Robbie Nielsen, a winning goal against a Swiss side in European football. And now it's his turn to, to lead us to a big win against Swiss opposition on Thursday. Um, you mentioned Stuttgart, that got mentioned as well. We've had a big focus on that previously. And a 
few other ones here. Blair Dinwoody says Bordeaux was superb, but the supporters bus to Sarajevo for the Zeljezna car round trip was epic. 48-seater party bus in the 48-hour journey there. Um, a 48-seater hearse on the 48-hour trip back after five days of solid non-stop bevy took its toll. And um, a bit a different angle on that as well. Gary Cowan says, not the best game, but the trip uh, to... Um, the trip was definitely Sarajevo for the Zeljezna car game. Coming so soon after the war in Bosnia, it was really humbling to be in a city oh, which so much so recently where the scars of war, physical and mental, were still so visible. Same as Mostar for Starogi mm-hmm. Brieg in 2006. The Starry Most, the bridge that had been rebuilt. And what what I've, it must be the same with, with all... There's, there's most most fans will just want to go and have a party. Some fans will have, want to have a party, and also depending on the city, have, have a look around. And I think so many Hearts fans that were in Switzerland were happy to wander around St Gallen, um, and, and there, there's so much to be had. But but wandering around Mostar and and learning the the kind of history and and how horrific it had been. I remember going to to Sarajevo as well. And wanting to find the street that the Archduke Franz Ferdinand had been assassinated in that, that started World War One. So there's this is why being in Europe and qualifying for Europe is is all about the experience. And you can do what you like. There's no right or wrong thing. You can spend all the time in a bar. That's fine. That's no problem at all. But when you've kind of got, I mean. Maybe it's the day of game because there was a lot of people just kind of milling around, looking for something to do, waiting to go to the game, having a drink. There's plenty of time for you to to kind of go around, and that's that's why there's so much intrigue um, about the draw, which which takes place this Friday, I believe. Um, yes, midday. Yep, this Friday. Midday this Friday, we'll we'll find out. And and one of the benefits about being in the group stage and, and not kind of knowing whether it's Birker Kara or Info now we're going to get through, should we book this one or should we wait for the next one? You know you're getting three trips. So St. Gallen wasn't the easiest place to get to as far as there aren't that many flights to Zurich once they're sold out, right? Okay, what do you have to do? Well, you have to go elsewhere and then do this, that and the other thing. And Hearts fans didn't really know. No one knew until they'd kind of beaten Linfield. Um, thankfully, it was kind of apparent after the first leg of the golfing class. I think it was 2-0 after the first leg and then they thumped them at home. So you could kind of, with a bit more confidence, book the Switzerland trip. But now, with the draw on Friday for games in, in September, October and November, or September, October, I think, I don't know if they stretch into November, they might. Um, there's plenty of time. And there'll be Hearts fans sitting with their laptops when the draw's made. Just be careful with that, by the way, because until the fixtures are confirmed, you don't want to... There's so many stories about European trips for any teams and supporter base that have kind of been screwed by someone looking at the wrong airport, looking at the wrong team name, looking at the wrong city, then the games get switched or whatever. Um, all you need is a concert in a stadium like Hearts had, and it's it's moved around. It should be easier for the group stage. It, it should be a case of, okay, once you get the fixtures out, I doubt they change. Um, but just make sure that once they're confirmed, then you can kind of you can maybe you can maybe book hotels or book flights with a twenty four hour cancellation. That's probably going to be your best bet. But if there's we had the conversation, Laurie, in, in Switzerland, if there's going to be one bonanza game, one game that everybody wants to go to, 
how many will Hearts take? Not to the game, because depending on tickets, but say, for example, we ended up at Old Trafford or down in London or in Rome. There'll be so many going. It'll be planes, trains and automobiles. And that's part of the excitement, isn't it? It certainly is. And it's been good reliving some of these memories. Plenty of excitement still to come, though. Okay, before we go, we have to, of course, preview. We've been trying to get everyone in the mood for a big European night. Um, but, of course, we've got to talk about Heart of Midlothian against FC Zurich in the second leg of the Europa League playoff, trailing by two goals to one. Um, Robbie Nielsen spoke about the fact Craig Halkett is likely to miss out. I don't think that's any surprise. I could be thankful if he's back in a few weeks' <laughs> Um, time. Um, he of course limped off the hamstring injury in the first leg. Craig Gordon, Stephen Kingsley, two big players who were left out of the squad completely at the weekend are both. Probably had a back spasm. Yeah, but nothing to be concerned about. Nothing to be concerned about. Um, <laughs> hey, you're back seven... sore. Is it? <laughs> it is now. Um, Takis, you've got the flu, have I? You have now. Salvage <laughs> is starting. Uh, it's not serious, is it, Gaffer? No, no, your back will be fine for Thursday. Okay, fine. So I'm not playing today. No, nope, you're not playing today. So when you're bending over too often, get a sore back, picking the ball at the back of the net, just let Ross go and goes, aye, that's fine. Our opponents made 10 changes for their game on Sunday. They were playing yeah, a third-tier side in the cup. They won 4-0 pretty comfortably. Just the centre-back, Carol Metz, the only player to retain his place in the starting 11. So they'll be he'll, pretty he'll rested be as well. He the first leg, Laurie, didn't he? Because they had a couple of suspensions. I believe so. So they'll be quite rested and refreshed as well. Um, in terms of the Zurich uh, angle, I was messaging Craig King, who was, of course, on the show at the start of last week, the Swiss football expert. And I just asked him what the feeling is like ahead of the second leg from their perspective, in terms of he's obviously in tune with what's happening in Swiss football. And he said he does think there's some confidence because of how they played in the first leg, but also a recognition of it being a difficult second leg in a hard atmosphere and venue. Um, he thinks there is a bit of optimism with Hearts and he doesn't disagree with it. And he says he thinks um, taking the game to Zurich in that atmosphere with their fragile defence, they can, they can be hurt. And he still thinks Hearts will win on the night and probably advance. And that's something I would agree with just now, Mark. I'm feeling pretty optimistic about this game. I cannot stress enough how important a role the Hearts fans have got to play. If the noise level can be even a quarter of the noise level of the affect bar in St. Gallen, then it'll be the noisiest night ever at Tyne Castle. Because that sounded a wee... For a middle-aged man going to this loud pub... It was just, it was brilliant. They made such a noise. So it's so important. I sounded so old there. I really did. It's so important that in some games you kind of wait, all right, Hearts, what you got for us today? Sitting on your hands, just waiting for something to happen and then responding to it. Oh, we're 3-0 up against Dundee United. Let's let's even continue the noise and increase it that we've already been making so far, which has been excellent. Right, not even from the first whistle, before that. Get to the game early. I'm not saying have one less pint, but just have them quicker. Get in your seat 10 minutes before kickoff if you normally go five minutes. Just get there early. Make not some noise like Scott Wilson would say. Make as much noise as you can right from the start. And when that first whistle goes from the Belgian referee on, on Thursday, Tyne Castle should be the most atmospheric it has been for many a year. 
And don't just do that for two or three minutes. If you can, even if, if they start all right but don't score, keep it going. It's so important. They are a shadow of the side that won the league last year. They are a fragile side. We will take the game to them. I'm pretty optimistic this will be the lineup. Craig Gordon in goal, Michael Smith at right back. Then it will be Stephen Kingsley at right centre back, Kai Rolls at left centre back, and Alex Cochran at left back. It'll be Peter Haring and Kami Devlin in the middle of the park, Alan Forrest on the right hand side, Liam Boyce in the middle, Barry Mackay on the left hand side. Lauren Shankland in attack. I'll be surprised if that's not the starting lineup. They're going to go for it. They're going to get stuck in right from the start. That'll be the pregame message um, from the coaching staff um, to utilize the noise from the stands in their favor. So therefore, there has to be a noise and a big, big noise, an inspirational noise from the heart support who can help cheer the team to glory against FC Zurich. You named the team that I'd put as my team i sent you a screenshot as you were talking just so you could see that i actually, <laughs> yes. I actually had that down the only thing i didn't i put roles in the the right center back kingsley left center back but other than that i've my team that i oh, listed yeah is the same one you just named so i wholeheartedly agree that i think that should be the team and i think that probably will be the team mm. so yeah i think yeah. roles is most of roles experience playing for Hearts has come as a left centre-back. It's not ideal. You get two left... In, I know, you, I know. You you could put, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you and... Uh, I'm trying to think who you were on with. Was it... Um, was it Joel, Joel Sked? I think it was me. Were, it was Joel and I who were... Yeah, Yeah, and you were just talking about the left left footy players or whatever. Whatever it is, I think, I think that's the side. I think we'll have a go at them. Um, and it's funny now, thinking about it, this is the first game in Europe that Hearts will have played at home since the away goal rule was scrapped. Mm-hmm. So you can look at the away leg and go, if it hadn't been scrapped, Hearts would have an away goal. But I, 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 Do you I know what know. I find funny here, though? Do you know what I find funny here? Um, in a strange way, I think the fact that we're losing works in our favour slightly. We're losing I'd on agree. the accurate. Because one of, my, one of the games that I remember, I liked the atmosphere up before, was Bordeaux. I think we didn't really know what to do in that second leg because we came back from France with a one goal advantage and we kind of tried to, I've not got it in front of me, but I remember Levine playing a bit of a 4-5-1 and trying we, to we, we didn't know. Be, it was be more cautious. Wasn't it? Yep. But at Tynecastle, what you want in the second leg is, right, we know we're level or we're a goal behind, we need to go and win the game, go through. But when you've got the lead and you're at home, it's a bit like, well... We are playing a team that are on paper better than us, so we don't want to go attack him. We don't need to, but do we want to play in the back foot? So I think that worked against us in like the likes of the Bordeaux game. So in some ways, in this one, it sounds silly because obviously, if we're if we're winning one 0 and they equalise at the end, you'll say, well, if we hadn't lost, then we would have gone through. But the dynamics of the game, I think this suits us to be just a goal down. No, you win the game by two, you're through. You win the game by one, you at least take it to extra time. Mm-hmm. So it's simple. You win. Just win. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take you inside, and even the players don't know this yet, I'm going to take you inside the Hearts changing room just before the <laughs> okay. game Okay. On, on Thursday night. It didn't go unnoticed by the Hearts coaching staff that Franco Foda 
And a few of his players, in the eyes of the Hearts coaching staff, over-celebrated as if they kind of thought, that's us, through, job done, tie over. That's probably not how they meant it, but that's how it will be perceived okay. by Robbie Nielsen, by Lee McCullough, Gordon Forrest, and the Hearts coaching staff. So there will be, on video, shown to the Hearts players before the game, footage of excessive celebrating, as far as the coaching staff at Hearts are concerned, by the FC Zurich staff, coach, and players. And that will be one of the things that will be used in the pre-game Team talk prior to kickoff at Tyne Castle on Thursday night. There's a little, uh, mm. a little tale for you. Uh, look, you use anything absolutely to gain an advantage. And if even one player is like, "Fuck them! How dare they!" That would have to be a, a Ouija player because that was a Ouija accent and not a kind of um, Crammond or Stockbridge. I thought you were doing Australian against him. Oh yeah, <laughs> Apu from The Simpsons. Very good. But you use anything you can. And it's about telling players what they need to hear. Sometimes it's about telling players what they want to hear. But this is about telling players what they need. Look at these bastards. Think they've won through the tie and already playing in the Europa League. Here's the footage. Boom. Anything you can use to your advantage. And look, Zurich will be, they'll have something. They'll find out. Look at all that. There's 20,000 people here. They're all screaming against you. We've not got many in the stadium. Blah, blah, blah. They'll be using that to their advantage. But go and do it. Silence them. Keep it quiet. You use anything you can. No problem whatsoever with, even if it's out of context of, of them celebrating a win. We'd all celebrate a win if it was us. Why not use it out of context? That will mm -hmm. be used um, in favour of the Hearts players to try and G them up even more prior to the game on Thursday. So if you're going on Thursday, get in, make some noise. Um, before we finish up, Mark, do you want to give us a score prediction and a goal scorer like we like to do? 3-1. Lawrence okay. Shankland. You? Okay. I like the sound of that. Um, I'm going to go 2-0, though. Both, both go with a two-goal advantage. 2-0 two hearts. And I'm doing that stupid thing when I'm trying to avoid just saying Shankland again. What was the first thing that came into your head? Was it Shankland? Yeah, but I think that'll be the case every game. <laughs> so we'll see it. Okay, Shankland. Right one week. Why go. not? Well, what do you mean one week? Got it right for the Dundee United game. In fact, if we no, you didn't. Another... There was a late goal. It yeah, but I, said, I got the score. I got. Well, but you got to get it. I'm talking about both. It only counts if you get both. No one yet this season, not me, not you, not Ryan, have got both scoreline and a no. scorer. Okay. Yet, hopefully that changes. I'll take a three-one or a one-nil heart, yeah. uh, two-nil hearts. Right, take now. anything, take any, any victory. But it's going to be a terrific night, I'm sure, oh. in Gorgi. Um, we will be back. You'll have a second podcast. The second installment of Make Some Noise will be available on Friday as we review the match from Tyne Castle. If you want to get in touch before then, you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can tweet at around the funnel. But oh. What a big week. A big mm. European night at Tynecastle. Let's hope we can create more memories that will live on in the future. Come on, hearts. All the crazy shit I did tonight. Those will be the best memories. I just want to let it go for the night. That would be the best therapy for me. All the crazy shit I did tonight.
Shankland. It's 1-0. What a start for Hearts. Pinpoint from Shankland.